Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. This is where we redefine success in leadership business and in ministry. Today, the topic is on strategy, growth. You're gonna hear the word sprint a few times. I'll get to the guest in just a moment, but first thing that I wanna do is just welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, the YouTube channel, the social media channels, wherever you're joining us, we appreciate you doing that. I like to ask right here before we go any farther, share what we're doing with as many people as you can. The statistics say that when you share podcast or YouTubes with someone. It's the best way for people to uh, be exposed to new things. So share this. We appreciate that. I am coming to you live like I always do from the passenger seat of Theo. Currently it's getting colder. We're in South Dakota just outside the Black Hills. It's early morning for me. My guest is over in Europe and uh, so I've got a little coffee with me. We're going to have a great conversation. So welcome. Glad you're here. Today we have Simon Severino as our guest. Simon helps business owners in SaaS and services and and consultancies, agencies, just a lot of businesses that we're going to be looking at and discussing, discover how to be able to run their company more efficiently and increase sales. Again, that keyword growth. Simon, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Hello, Tim. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. Yeah, glad you're here. I guess it's it's kind of early morning for me. It's probably more midday for you. What time is it in your part of the world? Yeah, it's afternoon in, in Vienna. Ah, good, good, good. I, I'm I'm not a super morning. I used to be, but I'm not as much anymore. So I've actually got a little coffee I'm going to be drinking while we go here. Hey, Simon, uh, I, I like to ask this question first. I did a short interview. You've got a long bio. We're going to be talking about a lot of things within your bio and in, in the conversation. But uh, if someone just asks you, maybe you, maybe they're in the business world, maybe they're not. If they just ask you what you do, what do you usually tell people? My kids ask me this all the time. Uh, papa, Papa, but what do you do when what you do don't you do? play? <laughs> what you, do don't work, you, do? you don't work. You don't work. What do you do? <laughs> uh, so to my kids, I say, you know, when you are building Lego and you have a problem and then you say, Papa, can you help me solve this problem? That's what I do. I do it with <laughs> other people. So if you have a problem, I help them solve the problem. And uh, since this audience is a bit older than three and six, I can, <laughs> I can also elaborate on the, 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 the kind of problem that I help solve. And it's the growth problem. And especially the scaling problem. So I work with business owners of small and medium businesses, and they get to a point where, you know, they're driven by passion, they love what they do, but they get at one point where they, if they do more of it, it doesn't get better. It does get even worse because there is a time limit and then there is the burnout effect, right? So you cannot do just more you call Simon. That's basically what I do. Wow. Yeah. And and I love all those words because I've been in that arena most of my business world. But, you know, one of the things I like to, uh, I, the word growth sometimes is overused. <laughs> Simon, you probably hear it and things like that. But the one of the things I'd love to do just as we get started here is let's go ahead and discuss uh, the need for growth, what it's all about, things like that. Um, but I think I want to understand you a little bit better first. I went and looked at your, you know, your history of your work on LinkedIn. You like 
came out of the womb thinking about growing and scaling and things like that, or at least it seems like that. Did you get rid of the things on your on your LinkedIn that didn't have anything to do with that? Or are you just have you been a growth guy since day one? I, I am doing only one thing my whole life right now, literally. <laughs> Uh, wow. Because I believe in in practice, you know, in discipline and in focus, and so I do one thing, the the thing that I like, I do them every day, and now then you automatically limit. But in terms of growth, if we if I look outside this window, I see trees. What do trees do all the, all the time? Grow. They orient towards the sun. They transform specific elements into other elements. And, and they, they create oxygen, they create things and they grow. If you look at animals, children, uh, at, at your friends, what do your friends do? They grow internally, they grow emotionally, they, they read new books, they visit new places, they go to restaurants. Look at yourself, you, you live in an RV because you want to explore maximum of your life. You don't want to just to be in the comfort zone and you do this on purpose and you could have a much more comfortable life, but you want this kind of life because you want to expand. So I think it's a natural, um, it's, it's, it's a natural way for, for the plants, for the animals, for, for, for human beings. We want to expand. We want to enhance uh, our experience. And if we think now of businesses, growth for me in business is the beginning phase of a business. And it's, it's the part where you try to find out what's the offer that converts. What do you have to give which is unique and that other need? I think that's what I call the growth stage. It's the first maybe three years, five years, six years of a company. Sometimes it's one year where you explore, hey, this is my uniqueness. This is what the world needs. Let's find the sweet spot in between. That's what I call the growth stage. And it's, a, it's beautiful. It's exploratory, but it's also intense. And if you've been there, and I guess many people are there in the growth stage, my goodness, sometimes you, you work too much. And so at some point we have to go from growing to scaling. And this is actually where it's much more fun. And it's also an, an internal work, emotional work of letting go of your baby. Because of course, it's like, it's like literally like a child when you start a business, like it's this one thing, you have to put it out there, you love it, you, you nurture it, you care about it every day. And, and at some point you have to let go. And, and this is when scaling starts and that's actually the rewarding part of the business, the part that is a bit more relaxed, a bit more stable, a bit more repeatable and where you also have more life and um, and starts reaping what you what you what you did so yeah simon so many companies businesses organizations i even do a lot of work with ministries we have some people listening in that probably are even in a ministry let's just say organizations so many organizations never get beyond that growth start stage that you just talked about which means they're in this it's exciting at the beginning, but then it gets exhausting over time. Um, what are some things you observe that keep people, businesses, organizations from going from, I'm going to ask for some of your secrets here, from going from that that stage? And I, I actually believe, unfortunately, that a lot of organizations never get beyond it. 
that's why they need people like you, people like me and others to step in. But what is the biggest hindrance for people not getting beyond that early stage themselves? <laughs> I, I call this limbo. So yeah. there is a state where you, you intentionally or unintentionally stay undefined. And so you do not commit to stand for something. You do not commit mm. to take on one position because it's risky. You, know, you can be wrong. You can be reduced. And so some people stay very long in limbo. Sometimes limbo is, is fine for a while because you need that incubation period. But sometimes people stay long in limbo and um, that becomes kind of a passive aggressive dynamic because you don't commit to anything. And if you don't commit to anything, you are on the power side for a while. But the, the negative part is also there is no growth. If you do not take one position and say, hey, I stand for this topic or I stand for this value or I stand for this tribe, these kind of people are my people and them I'm here to serve. If you don't take that, if you stay too long in limbo, it gets very comfortable, but you also, you aren't really learning. You aren't really leaning in. When does learning happen? If I look at my boys, there are three and six. They learn all the time because they just lean in into the moment. You know, they see an animal, they touch it, they talk to it, they, they go to, to the animal. And so they lean in all the time into the present moment. And that's when they learn, they, they make their experiences, not all are, are comfortable, but it, there are experiences and they learn from experiences. And because in one hour they have 60 experience, the, the learning rate per hour is incredible. I, they are my, my teachers uh, in terms of that. And so limbo is, has some pros, but definitely your learning uh, stagnates there. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that every, you know, company, business organization, for the most part, begins with an individual. There's usually a person, sometimes there's leadership teams. And I know when we're talking about larger, you know, when there's like venture capital and investment involved, sometimes there's more of a leadership team, but usually there is a leader involved. And, and we talk about leadership a great deal here on Seek Co Create. And I guess the question for you is how critical is the mindset, the, the, the thought process of that leader in moving from, because every, uh, most of these people, they love the startup. I mean, they love the energy that's involved. Then they get in this limbo phase. And I, I, I've observed at times that they might get, you mentioned comfortable, they might not have some of the skills to take a business to the next level, but talk a little bit about the individual that's the head or the, the leader of the organization. What are some things they need to do? What are some things they do wrong? Uh, just leadership, talk about leadership for a moment. I can, I can start with my own experience. So I, I start something because I'm passionate about it. I move it forward. And at some point I became the bottleneck. And, and I'm a freedom guy, so I started this thing to have more meaning, more impact, and more freedom in the first place. Now, 
And I guess that resonates a lot with your audience. I think freedom is something important to them. And now I experienced the opposite. My freedom level was one out of 10 because I had to fly every day to some city, to some executive teams to help them sort out their problems. And so I would come home very late and I had no life. Now, what was my choice? And, and I, I deeply feel with everybody out there who says, no, I don't want to grow. Growth sounds um, like something that I don't want. I, I, I want meaning, I want impact, I don't want growth. I, that's exactly how I spoke. And then I hit um, a certain revenue ceiling in, in, in my world. It was 500,000 that I could do per year just because of the limit of time. And that was the first reason why I shifted my thinking. I was like, hmm, there is nothing I can do to get to 501, nothing. Also, my life is miserable, miserable. I don't want to live like that. So for why do I do this? So what, what do you do with 500,000 if you don't have friends to, to experience this with? And I was like, this doesn't make sense at all. I have to find a smarter way. Something is broken here. And so I, I hired a coach, a business coach, and he looks at the thing and says, yeah, Simon, you, you don't have any systems. That's just you doing stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, correct. And, and so he says, Simon, we have to get you two levels above fulfillment. And I was like, what? And who does the coaching then? Yeah, you'll have to create a system. And I was like, okay, sounds, sounds logical. Let's try. And so I started creating modules and getting it out of my head. What would I do in week zero? What would I do in week one? What would I do in week two? I started speaking that into videos, creating templates. And then I started teaching my colleagues and then handing it over. And that was a very good move. And then I realized, hey, I have still enough tasks. I can still serve, not directly the clients, but every Monday I meet all coaches so I can still serve my team, my community, etc. There is still enough to do because somebody has to do joint ventures. Somebody has to go on podcasts and talk about our mission and what we do. Somebody has to go out and uh, spread the message, right? Otherwise, nobody knows that we're here. So there is still enough to do. Somebody needs to write books about the method uh, and do all the IP around it and maybe even PR and what have you. So there is enough to work on the business. Then even if you don't work in the business, there's still enough. It still takes a village to grow a, a business. And, um, and so I fired myself from fulfillment two and a half years ago. And um, that wasn't that hard at all. It, it, took, it took three days to get out of fulfillment. And since then, I moved from star to galaxy. Now, I am, I'm not the dancer anymore. I'm the dance floor. And so I curate the space for every single uh, dancer in the team to, to dance and to, to show their, their magic. And it's, it's fine, it's, it's even better. And then now, of course, we're growing and, uh, and we're scaling over different countries and different verticals because now I have to time to work on the business.
Yeah, and the thing that's so great about and and I love you sharing your personal story because it allows us to to look at you as the example. And the word I wrote down the word ego here because uh, to me I I picked up on quite a bit of humility with you just sharing that. But I want you to go back two and a half years, two and a half, three years. You you either had a strong desire to make some change or you were miserable. You said you didn't like what was going on. It sounds like you had young children at the time. If you've got a six-year-old and three-year-old, and if you were on a plane all the time, probably pre-pandemic, you were probably hearing about your children grow up instead of experiencing it firsthand. So, but there's an ego that we deal with. And I'll say it this way. Many of us think that no one can do it as well as we can. Did you have that at all? And if you didn't, that's fine. But most of us business people, entrepreneurs have this warped, I'll call it warped thought that, you know what, I'm, I'm the strategy sprints guy. I'm the growth guy and nobody can go into an organization as well as I can. Did you have that? Yes. And that is pure ego. And, and this business coach just showed me, Simon, you think that you are not replaceable, but you are. And, uh, and I was like, really, can we do that? I just don't do the fulfillment anymore. Somebody else does the fulfillment. And he goes, yes, yeah, Simon, if you create the right system and your job now is to create the systems. And I was like, oh yeah, it's true. And, and so I found a way to still be important and relevant in my world because yeah, somebody needs to, to build the systems. So, all right, I'm gonna be the systems builder. And, uh, and my, my ego was like, oh my God, will, 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 will I be irrelevant now? But it wasn't the case because as I told you, there is enough to do and every day people will come to you and have questions and need help and need supervision and need coaching from you. Now you are serving the team and that's, they are your clients if you want because you have to enable them to serve the clients. And so you still have you still have people who need you. You are still important. Ego, don't worry. There is still enough uh, nurturing for you. And um, there is still enough uh, meaning to create and, um, and enough work. Yeah, I think this goes back to the leadership question because many of the leaders, especially people that are we'll call them small business owners, you know, get started business owners. They have the mindset of doing everything in the business. You know, they're the financial department, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're implementing, doing the work, delivering, they're doing all their marketing, if they're even doing marketing, they're doing all of that. And I, my observation is that they really struggle with allowing other people to do the work. I, this is an interesting question that just came to my mind. I'm going to ask it. You, you know, answer whatever. Are there people now, because I know you've got coaches that are all over the world. I looked at the map y'all had and you're, you've got a wide reach. Do you have people now that are doing what you used to do and they're doing it better than you did it when you did it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they are much better because they have different superpowers and different backgrounds. For example, Zach did scale Uber Eats. I never scaled Uber Eats. I cannot help a, a SaaS founder scale like Uber Eats. He can. 
And uh, Sunil, he, he, he led Ernst & Young, the advisory arm of Ernst & Young for decades. I never led Ernst & Young. I cannot help a big consultancy scale, he can. So in my life, I have my 17 years experience. I have a couple industries where I'm good at. That's it, right? For the rest, you need others. You need different superpowers to come together. And now you are a powerful container for complexity, for energy, for tension. One person alone cannot do big projects. Come on. Mm -hmm. For big projects, um, you need a container made of a small ecosystem, a community committed to hold a big complexity and to digest it and to serve every day and every week, uh, whatever the weather is. And so, yes, they can do it much better than I ever could. And I'm learning now new skills where I am a beginner. Uh, and that's even fun because, you know, Zen mind, beginner's mind, when you have new tasks and you start for the first time, everything is interesting. So I wrote, I'm writing my first book ever. How cool is that? So I'm, I know nothing about writing books. I'm learning everything. And again, I'm teaming up. I'm, I have a publisher. They are doing, they understand the, how, how, how Korea and how the US want to see a book cover. Then I have an editor. They understand how you have to craft the story so that people keep being engaged. And I have just the stories that I bring in. So it's again, a team of three and it's a task that's completely new. I love it. I love learning new things. And I am of course a beginner, so I cannot be good per definition. And it's interesting, but I practice every day. I put in the work and um, yeah, it's, it's becoming a good book. I love what you said at the beginning, you talked about that really creation, you know, trees, you look at trees, they grow, you look at your kids, they grow. And what you described to me is I, I heard someone who says, I'm growing, I get to do something new. And, and I think the tragic, the tragedy is when we interact with people that are not growing at all. And I'm guessing that your funnels, the way you function, you probably don't interact with people that are not in growth mode very often. Would that be a correct statement? They don't like me. They don't follow me. <laughs> the, yeah, the, you, you probably, and, and I'm very similar. I mean, listen, we, we have the tendency to make people uncomfortable. I don't think we want to. It's not the desire. I think we would love if people would kind of get on this train. And even if it moves slow for them, at least move a little bit. And, and so uh, I, I love that. I love, I love the passion in your voice on embracing something new because I, I've written some stuff recently. And working on a book is a totally different muscle. I mean, you're, you're in a totally different gym working on a book. And so, so that's very exciting. Now, at some point along the way, and, and this is something you brought up earlier, you've done one thing and some people have the tendency to be generalist. And then some people focus on one thing. I think one of the things that I at times, I've just embraced it. I have interest in a lot of different things and I probably shouldn't. I probably should focus more, but you have focused. In fact, if you listen to your podcast, you know, it says strategy and sprints, strategy and sprints. I mean, it's like y'all speak that over and over again. How, how has that been the focus? You said 
since the beginning, but I mean, two and a half years ago, you said you kind of went through a little bit of an adjustment. Talk a little bit about the formation of the current organization and the naming of it and, and the focus that you guys have. This is something that I have learned from my mentor's mentor. So my mentor in St. Gallen, he studied with Peter, with Peter Drucker, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 original, the original gangster of management. And so Peter Drucker would say, hey, people, you have to specialize, but you will be bored when you specialize. That's why you need a satellite every four years change your hobbies so that you stay young, you stay sharp, you stay beginner. But in your main practice, never change the focus. And so that's basically what I did. I have decided I am here to serve business owners on how to do strategy and execute it. That's it. And when we say strategy, we mean market strategy. And that's what I've been doing now 18 years long. I've never changed the the main problem and the main target group. And this is my advice to everybody. Fall in love with the problem and with the target group. For example, if you serve mothers, you know that mothers have always limited time. Fall in love with that problem. Help them manage time. But do not fall in love with the solution that might be, I don't know, a calendar uh, or an app. Solutions come and go, but so over decades, uh, but the problem will always be there. So I'm here for the business owners and I'm here for their problems and their problems are eternal. What to do next, how to grow, how not to burn out and how to make sure this thing is healthy and uh, adaptive. This is eternal. So I, I did fall in love with these problems and I like solving these problems. Of course, the way we do it changes every couple of years. So as you have said, two and a half years ago, we restructured who is coaching. So I'm out of coaching. Okay, but these are just organizational problems, if you want. These are details of how you do things. But the main thing, we are here to solve the main problems of business owners, limited time, and the, the necessity to learn and to grow that's an eternal thing and that's what I'm I will never change that um, in the next 15 years that's what I'm here to serve that's what I'm here to do and so the the challenge is keeping doing the same thing because now that you understand this problem and this target group now you can serve now it becomes valuable now every hour you put in you help somebody and the the other part is staying fresh, staying interested, staying curious, not becoming like, oh, yeah, I know everything. Here's the book. Read the book. Go do it. <laughs> that would not be very helpful. So the, the challenge is staying curious, staying open, staying in the listening position and uh, always be learning. That's the challenge. Uh, yes. Our team now is very lean. We have a core team. It's building the product. It's refining the product. And the product is one-to-one coaching. So you cannot really build it and it's done forever, but it's building the modules. So currently we have 274 modules. These are the tactics because we have them with go-to-market strategies. So the three strategies that we help implement is how you can increase your price by 25%. How can you increase the frequency of the sales 
by 25% and how can you increase the conversion rate by 25%. These are the three strategies. And if you put them three together, three times plus 25, in this case, makes plus 99% revenue because they accumulate. Now, when you have doubled the revenue, now you have some wiggle rooms, you have more freedom, you have more cash flow. Now you can work on the business. Now you can start working on form, fit, and function of your sales systems, of your marketing system, of your community as an ecosystem. And so now you can you have time to curate strategic partnerships, to curate more which suppliers uh, you onboard, and um, to do cash flow management. All these things, turning fixed costs into ver ver variable costs, all these important management things that you wouldn't have time for otherwise. So these are the three main strategies. And the core yeah. team create the 274 tactics that you need to implement these three strategies because it sounds simple. Uh, yeah, let's increase the frequency by 25%, but how you do it? And so we have, in each category, we have hundreds of tactics and blueprints ready. And uh, a couple of them will be the right one for that client at that moment. And so in order to be prepared to have that, that's what the core team builds, builds the modules, the components. And then we have the coaches. The coaches are experienced entrepreneurs who like to coach other entrepreneurs. And they love to coach. They don't love to build products. So their ears and their eyes are all on the business owner that they coach. And from time to time, they pull these tactics and they say, hmm, okay, if that is what you need, I think here, 17F might be the right thing. They pull it, they test it and see, test it for three days, see, see if this is the one thing that works. If it's not, okay, let's test 17B. Maybe 17B is the right way. Let's test 17B for three days. So after six days, they know uh, if, if, if this is the right thing or not. And that's the cadence of the sprint. Seven days, two, three experiments in seven days to find out what works and then doing more of what works, doing less of what doesn't. Wow, and I, I love it because obviously you've got quite the toolbox that your your team, your coaches have available to them. There were, and, and I want to go a little bit deeper into that, but there, there are two things that I wanted to ask before we move into more strategy items that I think we could provide some value to people listening in. One is you said that we have to be careful not to be bored with staying focused on that mission. And you mentioned earlier that you were writing a book. I think that could be one of the answers, but I was just going to ask a little bit deeper what does Simon do over 18 years of working in the growth area? What do you do to keep from getting bored and want to start going out and, I don't know, climbing Mount Everest, I, you know, whatever. There's there's so many things that people, and, and I, I've observed that a lot of people will step away or start taking their eyes off the focus of that base level strategy of their business at probably about the time it's about to hit some critical mass at a really key time. So what do you do personally? And maybe you could even add on, what do you see other leaders doing just to keep keep things fresh so that they don't uh, take their eyes off that? I love this question and it, may, it makes me uh, really think about it. 
I, I guess what I do to stay fresh is is a, is is basically three three habits. So, one is to to make the work repeatable and fun. I I need work to be fun. Otherwise, I don't do it. So that's how I'm wired. So we break every every work package into small things that you can do immediately and you can get immediate feedback. It's like Angry Birds. You shoot the bird and it says 500 points. You don't wait two weeks to get the report back. Uh, you immediately get feedback on that thing. And what happens when you get immediate feedback? You shoot again and then it says 600 points. And what happens then? Well, I automatically, I want to shoot 700. That's how we are wired. And, and, and that's how we do our project management. We don't do traditional project management. We do sprint work. And sprint work is how small can I do it? How fast can I test it? So you start everything. Let's say we have an idea. Hey, maybe LinkedIn polls would be the right thing for us to do. I don't set up a project. I don't analyze. I, we, don't, we don't think very long about it. I go on LinkedIn, I create the first poll and I see how many views it gets and how many interesting conversation it creates. Three hours later, I have the first feedback loop. And I say, oh, that got 4,000 views instead of the usual 350 of a post. There is something there, let's do more. And so we create a series of posts and then we will say to our colleagues in the marketing team, hey, follow up on the conversations that start there and uh, ask them what they need and show them what we got. And that will become part of our sales process. And then it becomes part of daily activities. And if it really works, then it becomes a daily activity. So we make work small, we make it repeatable. We don't overthink, we, we learn from action and that keeps us childlike and it keeps us real and, um, and quick. And that keeps me on my toes because, you know, I get immediate feedback. I, I learn immediately. That's the daily, that's the daily practice. Instead of boring milestone definition meetings or interdependency analysis meetings or whatever, we don't do that. We don't do market research, for example. The, the action is market research. And uh, so I love the sprint. Yeah, I love yeah. the sprint concept because really there is, and also I believe you think in terms of, you do a lot of 90 day uh, work also, which is, that, that's what I break down almost everything I do in my life. People that I interact with, it's like, hey, let's just test it for 90 days. Let's do this for 90 days. Because I I think mentally, I mean, listen, if if I were to, if you and I were to come up with some business idea and we were to say, hey, listen, Simon, let's do a three to five year business plan. <laughs> what, 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 if, what if we had done a three to five year business plan in, two, in January of 2020? <laughs> we would have been wasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so talk about the magic of 90 days also. I love the sprint. And I think strategy, I think you kind of look at 90 days. So let's maybe, uh, and, I, and I wrote down that, that you wrote to keep things fresh. You have repeatable and fun, don't overthink it, take action. Those were some of the things you had there. But talk about 90 days, why that is kind of a critical time frame. 
So in the strategy sprints method, you eliminate everything in between. There is no six months planning. There is no yearly planning. There is the vision. Vision is three years in our method. Mm. Vision, where do you want it to be in three years? Who do you serve? How do they look like? How do you impact their life? How many of them do you serve? Where do you serve? How, how is their life changed by that? That's the vision. And uh, we take time to really write down the vision on six pages. How does it smell? How does it look like? How does it feel? Uh, what do you touch? What do you taste when, when you are in that embodied vision? And then there is nothing in between. And then there is a 90-day plan. The 90-day plan is 12 weeks. Every week has one bottleneck to solve to get there. So these 90 days have three goals. And the three goals usually have to tell you where you want to go and how fast you want to go there. So these three goals will have three numbers that we measure every seven days. We break down every goal into one number and we make sure that there is always one number around revenue, one number around client satisfaction, client happiness, and um, one number around your specific topic. If it's a SaaS, it's usually churn rate. So how many people do you lose from your subscription per week? Because retention is very important if you're SaaS. If it's a service company, then we look more at numbers of conversations and number of uh, deals closed. The, so three numbers, three goals, three numbers, and every seven days, like Angry Bird, every seven days we, we get feedback. So yeah, you are moving forward. No, you're not moving forward. And we learn from that. We do a bottleneck analysis that takes half an hour. And then we decide what's the next focus of the next week, which is one focus. So the whole team does one thing for one week. And that's the magic because when the whole team knows the vision, has just three goals and one thing to do, now you have a calm, focused, aligned team. And you would be surprised how motivated and how smart and how fast and how creative people are when you give them just one thing to do that contributes to one vision. They are amazing and you will see them thrive because many people come to us and say, ah, my people are not fast enough. My people are not good enough, etc." Yeah, because we usually overwhelm them with too many, too little tasks. And, and we don't give them a few big responsibilities. So in that method, they have just one thing to do. They are all aligned. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like friends playing basketball there is the basket everybody knows what we want to do we want to hit that uh, everybody knows who's playing uh, offense defense in the middle everybody knows where the where the ball is right now what can go wrong it's fun let's do this yeah I, the reason that's the the thing that came to my mind i'm an i'm an industrial engineer by training and so I, I love the thought of systems, but it's so interesting in the, the busyness of our day-to-day -day and all that, we can forget about the value of systems. The thought that came to mind as you were talking, uh, you know, we're in the season here, fall of the year here in the United States, where the American football is kind of ruling a lot of the sport that we have here. I know it's really, it's a very Americanized sport, but 
There's a college, the University of Alabama, that Nick Saban has won six out of the last 12 national championships. And he always talks about what you just said. His, his words that I hear out of his mouth are, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. He doesn't talk a lot. I mean, he's got some great athletes, great teams, great coaches. But his coaches are like a revolving door. They're leaving all the time because people want to hire them away. And Simon, he talks about trusting the process. It sounds as if you, your team, your strategy sprints, that you guys have a super winning process, a national championship process in place that's been developed in, you've developed this over 18 years, but really over the last two and a half years, correct? Yeah, it's a simple process. So it's stood the test of time uh, over 10,000 uh, teams uh, have gone through this. So it's a simple process. Daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. Daily habit. How do you spend your time? How do you allocate your time? Write it down. I'm right, I'm doing this every day here on my iPad. I can show you my flow and I write down what I do, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, etc. When I close the day, I have two reflective questions. First one which one of the tasks that I did today can tomorrow somebody else do better than me? Second question, if I would live more intentionally and more freely, what would I do tomorrow? These are the two questions. It takes me five minutes. That's the daily habit. Writing down what I do and reflecting in the evening, how can I do it better tomorrow? So this is this little reflective loop is really important and it's a daily practice. And this is where I come up. Well, first, this one question helps me think bigger. That's how I got to, hey, I always wanted to write a book. Why don't I write the book? And the other part is, okay, what do you have to delegate or outsource so, you, so that you gain time to do that? So the other part was, hmm, I don't think I have to do Instagram myself. I guess I can delegate that. And, and this is an important daily habit of what is really important to allocate my time to, what to delegate, where to think bigger. That's the daily habit. And, and that's the process on the daily level. Then there is the weekly level. Every seven days, I want three reports, the three marketing numbers, the three sales numbers, and the three ops numbers. And even when I was a solopreneur, I did report these three things to myself. That's the discipline. When you take the process seriously, you have to do all of that. And that's why bit by bit, you will want to have a team because that's that's a lot of work. And so you want to give the responsibility. Okay, you do marketing, you do sales, you do operations and report me these three numbers that are the most important numbers for us. And I want them every seven days because that's where we learn from. And every deviation of just 0.2% up or 0.2% down, we want to learn from that. Why is this working better than that? And it's really on the micro level. So, oh, this page converts more than that landing page? Why? Let's find out and let's act upon it. We do more of what works. We do less of what doesn't. That's, That's the process on the weekly level. And then you have the monthly level. So this is where strategy now comes in from time to time. And we say once a month, one hour, you have to do strategy. So big picture, 
Are we going in the right direction at the right pace? Are we serving the right people at the right price with the right solution in the right channel? And how confident are we that we are the right people to solve this problem right now for them? And if the confidence level is not at 100%, then we stop and go deeper there. Okay, why do we think the product is not perfect? Do we think our skills are not high enough? Where is the, the lack of confidence? And uh, we work first on that because if you don't have at least 100% confidence, imagine these football players, it's game time. They go down there and they don't have the confidence 100%, they will not win. They need 100% confidence in that moment to pull out their magic exactly in that fraction of the second where it is needed. And same thing with us. If we show up to a sales call and we are 60% confident that it's the best thing, well, 40% we will get across. That's a, that's a no sale, no deal. Mm. Uh, so two things came to mind while you were bringing that up, and I'm taking a lot of notes too, Simon. This is excellent. Uh, I was Sometimes I like to try to get into the head of someone who might be listening in, and kind of like you, I interact with a lot of people, so I, I get a lot of perspectives. To me, the process you just laid out, daily, weekly, monthly, to me, everyone should be doing that. <laughs> I mean, if, if you run a family, if you run, you know, a small mom and pop business, if you run a hundred million dollar corporation, to me, that works everywhere. But I guess my question is, can you and I, can you think of some reason why someone shouldn't be focused on growth? I mean, I, I'm sitting here thinking, why would, why would everyone not do that? I mean, is that a fair question? Is Should anyone not be focused on growth? <laughs> <laughs> I can only speak for, for myself. So if I don't do this every day, then I am just in a reactive mode. I'm just answering to things that break. And of course, every day something breaks. Come on, I run a global business. So yesterday for three hours, the website was broken. Last week, uh, I, I hired the wrong person for, for the right job. Uh, Two weeks ago, I had uh, the, the wrong job for the right person. This is stuff that happens. And so there are fires, of course. And uh, if you don't have this weekly and daily habit, then you are always pulled into something urgent, something that's loud. But the loud things are usually not the most important things. They are just the most urgent things. And so... The loud things, they get our attention. And uh, that's why this process for me is an absolute must. And without that, I would have been burned out uh, in, the, in the first years of, of running this because, you know, everybody needs your attention when you run a business. And, uh, and, you, and if you answer all of that, well, then you can never go to sleep. Yeah, that, I love what you said. It's it's you kind of move towards a reactive mode. I think a lot of people in the last eighteen to twenty four months kind of got thrown off a little bit. I mean, I, I you know, worldwide pandemic. I think I don't know if it was a black swan event or not. These happen, you know, every X number of years anyway. 
but I think it messed with people. I noticed it messed with me a little bit. I kind of got out of rhythm a few times. I don't know if you did, if you would, you know, we want but it was kind of like, okay, I, you know, I don't try, I can't get on a plane like I used to. You probably were that way. And here's what I found. And I, and I want you to speak to this. I found that my energy levels, because I was a little bit out of control, I was a little bit out of my rhythm, my habit, whatever you want to call it. I was reacting more than proacting that, that it was draining me. So uh, my observation is, is that when we are controlling what we can control, being proactive, it feeds us much more energy than drains us otherwise. How did you interact? How, how, how have you done in the last 18, 24 months? Because you had this organization during all this time. And I think there's some people listening in that would love to know if you had to make a few corrections along the way. We're getting close to wrapping up with a few more questions, but but uh, share with us anything that you learned about you and yourself, the organization, since you know January of 2020. Huge corrections. So in March, in, in the famous COVID March, from one day to the other, we lost half of our business, half of what was in the books was gone because it was in form of events, conferences and, um, and bigger events with entrepreneurs that was frozen from one day to the other. So we had to react quickly. And uh, because we had this daily, weekly, monthly process, we were built more like Lego than like Duplo. So uh, very small parts. And so it was there and I could immediately react. So we, I, I said, okay, let's stop whatever we think that is right. Right now, we have to rethink. We have to ask our community first, how are you doing? What is on your mind and how can we help? Okay, so we stop everything and we started our first ever mastermind. It was every Monday evening for free for 90 minutes and we called it managing the current situation. Open to everybody, whoever needs it. It was March, two years ago. And I did this for three, three full months, free work, because first, the community needed it. And second, I also needed it because we need to make sense of what's going on. Nobody was understanding what was going on and how long and what does it mean so together we started coaching each other there in okay short-term strategy mid-term strategy long-term strategy what do we do uh, and um, together as a community we started making sense of the situation and also they holding space for all that anxiety that was in the room for everybody and um, from there i learned two things one is it humbled me how quickly things can completely change. So I always had an, an agile way of thinking that things are dynamic, but I felt them now in a, in a, in a in higher intensity. So what we learned is, hey, we are dependent. Even if you are a smart company with a smart process, you depend on so many other people. So we are all a community. And, and so this mastermind then after three months was over, but then I said, hey, masterminds are a powerful thing. If it helped us in this hardest 
of all quarters. Why don't we do that all the time? Because that's the only insurance that you can have against Black Swan events in the future, is a community here full of trust and ready to help each other. So we started our first ever mastermind and now we are 64 people in that mastermind. We meet every 14 days in Zoom. Uh, there are people from all over the place, from, from California to uh, to Sydney, and it's fun. And we are going deep into topics, etc. And guess what? If a huge Black Swan event would happen again, well, I have 64 people right now that we can that we can bring together and say, okay, how do we make sense of this? What's going on in Australia? What's going on in San Francisco? How how do we react? How do we help each other? That's that is literally my insurance plan for the uncertainty. Yeah, the reason I like that. Uh, maybe it goes back to a question I was asking earlier about is growth always the right answer? I think many of us saw in March, I had clients, you, you guys did too. It's like, listen, if you've got a neck that's bleeding, you're not thinking about growth. You need to stop the bleeding. <laughs> and, and some of the industries that we saw, you know, their, their all revenue was just wiped out just or, or put on pause for 90 days. And we were trying to decide, can they make it, you know, until they pick back up? Uh, I'm pleased to say everyone's recovered. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that all the folks you interact with too. So, uh, I do love the word you used insurance and I love it layered over the words proactive versus reactive, because if there's anything that people need to take from what's happened in the last two years, 24 months, is is they don't need to get lazy, don't need to get comfortable, put the structure and systems in place. And I love the way you and your organization do that worldwide. Couple of maybe short questions here as we wrap up. We started, you mentioned your children and you were kind of a little bit, didn't have freedom when you made just adjustments and changes in your life. Tell me what your day-to-day -day looks like. You mentioned a few daily habits, but What's your morning routine? You've got a six-year-old and three-year-old. Are you hanging out with them a lot? I just, I'm a grandfather now. So, I mean, listen, hanging out with my 18, 19-month-old is like the greatest thing ever. Like if I were to get a call right now, we would shut the recording down and I'd be out of here. <laughs> but uh, tell me a little bit about some of your routines that Simon is doing just that might be different than two and a half years ago. They could be personal in nature or whatever that we might could learn from. And then I've got one or two things and we'll wrap up. Yeah, my day starts with me time. It starts quite early, 5.30. I, I have me time because I have two small kids, three and six. So if I want to have me time, that should better be before they wake up. <laughs> And so 5.30 is me time. Simon has one hour of doing something that is nurturing. And uh, it's, it's, it's running in nature and listening to audiobooks or listening to podcasts while I run. That's, that's what I love, being in nature and listening to cool stuff. That's, that's the first 60 minutes of my day. Then when I come back, they wake up we play around wrestling, singing, dancing, music. And while we do breakfast, then uh, we then my wife uh, wakes up, then we have to prepare them for school. So we start, you know, kindergarten and preschool. So all that preparation. And then eight o'clock, they go out 
and I am in my office, which is at home. And my day starts with three hours uh, deep work. So I'm either writing or recording. I'm doing deep work, one concept to finish. I'm creating something. Usually is either writing 600 words or creating two, two to three videos for the Sprint University. Afterwards, a meeting starts. I have usually two or three interviews lined up and then lunch. And then in the, in the, in the afternoon, uh, I am here for my team. So the sales meeting, the marketing meeting, the analytics team, what is YouTube doing, uh, all that kind of stuff, suppliers, sourcing, hiring, firing, all that kind of stuff, fun stuff of being a manager. And then in the evening, I, I, our masterminds, and then I go either play with my kids while my wife cooks or I cook and she plays with the kids. And sometimes I cook with the kids. For example, we love doing pizza together. And then, and then wind down, evening sauna with friends, a glass of wine with my wife, and that's it. And that was the day, reading. And uh, so during the day, in terms of time zones, the, the, the first things are with, with Asia. And then in the middle of the day, it's more European. And it, towards the end of the day, it's more US. Yeah, and the thing I love about that, to me, someone might listen to that and go, wow, that's a lot going on. But to me, I heard relaxed. It's a system. And, and you, you know, there's a big, there's a word, the hustle culture and things like that, that people go, go, go. But to me, it was very peaceful and relaxed sounding. Would you categorize, listen, I know you're a hard worker. I'm not saying that's not the case, but to me, it seems as if it's an easy pace because it's very focused and very intentional. Would that be correct or am I wrong? It, it is completely effortless. I don't, it doesn't feel like work. It is very integrated with my family life, with my being. Uh, there is sports every day in it. There is nature every day in it. And there is, um, and there is playing with my kids every day in it. So my, my life five years ago was very different. It was plane, workshop, plane, workshop, plane, next city, plane, workshop, hotel, plane, workshop, hotel, keynote, workshop, hotel. Yeah, that's much better. And, and you're right. I am, I am uh, calm. I'm productive. I'm creative. I, it's full of authenticity. It's, it's what I would do anyways. If that wasn't my business, I would wake up and do the same thing. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I've noticed that about myself uh, coming out of the companies and businesses that we've owned and run that I used to have this mindset of hustle. And I used to be proud of how little sleep I got during the decade of the 90s when we were forming some companies and all that. Now I'm pretty excited when I get eight or nine hours sleep, you know, and it's in it and I'm productive. Anyway, I, I love that. And I want the listener to hear how, how, how much growth you've got, how expansive your business is, but yet how calm and peaceful you are about it. Next to last question, tell us about um, strategy sprints, the type people that should go there, and, uh, and maybe where they could find you there, 
you know, anything that they need, maybe the ideal person. And so that someone knows, hey, should I reach out to Simon? Go ahead and give. It's not a commercial, but, you know, tell us tell us what people need to do if they want to connect with you further. Sure. If you resonate with the method daily, weekly, monthly, and you say, oh, I would like to to see if that's for me, then you can go to strategiesprints.com and you can click something that says in eight minutes, you can find your bottleneck. It's literally something that in eight minutes walks you through a little taster of how it is to work with us. It's typical questions that we ask. And um, if you if you like that, you can continue the journey and there will be uh, chances to hop on our calendar, to, to read a little bit more. And if you still like it, then you might qualify for a sprint. Who is it for? It is for business owners of online businesses, services, and SaaS. So services are consultancies, marketing agencies, um, financial planners, advisors, blockchain educators. And um, SaaS companies are people who build software. And we are especially good with B2B SaaS because we are B2B guys. We are not good, don't call us if you are selling a lot of small objects for small prices somewhere. That's not us. We are the relationship kind of guys. Uh, I want to have better relationships, better clients, better conversations, bigger deals. That's where we excel. Mm, that's excellent. And we'll include links down in notes and all so that people can can reach out to you. And Simon, man, what a great conversation we've had. Final question. We are seek, go, create. I'm going to allow you to choose one of those words that resonates with you more than the other two. Tell us which word it is and why. I am so happy when I can create that's why in the morning I have this deep work blocked out three hours. I just do deep work because I feel so much different after I have created something. If I would have been in a meeting or in three meetings of one hour, they can be the coolest meeting on the planet. I, I feel miserable after a meeting because I, I didn't create anything. So I am happy when I can create something with my hands or writing or recording. That's what makes me happy. So yeah, create. I love the create. Now that even goes back to some things we talked about earlier about how proactive that is and the energy. Man, Simon, what a great conversation we've had. If you've listened in, I am counting on this has touched you and blessed you in some way. So I'm excited that we had this conversation. Simon speaks my language and I know he speaks a lot of your language. I'm going to ask another big favor that I asked earlier, and that is take a screenshot. Uh, I think now even in Apple Podcasts, you can share it in Messenger uh, and, and people can listen to it right in Messenger. So if you're listening on Apple, I believe you can do that now with the new iOS and any other platforms, YouTube, anything, share this. I know that as you listen to this, there were at least one to two people that you thought they need to hear this right now before, it's, before it gets leaves your mind. 
make sure you share this episode with them so that they could hear the message, this, this pace, this system, this structure, these strategy sprints that Simon discussed and, uh, and do that. I know it'll be, uh, I know it'll be beneficial to them. It'll be beneficial to you. It'll help us also. Thank you for doing that. We've got new episodes every Monday until next time, continue being all that you were created to be. Oh,